welcome to Say Podcast and Die. It is a mini-sode. It's a bonus episode. That's right. Not to be confused with a mini-sode. That's right. I'm Alyssa. I'm Andy. And today we are doing a little choose-your-own-adventure, but we're doing it a little bit differently. Yes. Alyssa's got plans and I don't know what they are. (laughs) We have been reading some of the Give Yourself Goosebumps books, uh, including another installment of that that'll be coming up soon. And we've been a little sassy about the lack of choices sometimes. Yeah. Arlstein really likes to funnel you along in those books. And sometimes he makes you do math. <laughs> yeah. Like a jerk. <laughs> so I got to thinking, especially because one of our Twitter followers pointed out that Arlstein had once written a D&D installment, which I, I wasn't able to find, but I was able to find this weird little booklet that went with it. It's like, here's a storified version of... About lizard people. Yeah, there were lizard people in it. It overlapped with Calling All Creeps, early draft sort of yeah. playing with these ideas. Yeah. So that got me thinking, well, maybe there's an RPG we could play to give a little bit more choice and freedom. And, and D&D doesn't work for this because, you know, it's just the two, of the two of us in this closet. But I found a game called Stories from the Grave, which is styled on shows like Creep Show, Tales from the Crypt. Exactly. Very cool EC comic style art. Yeah, yeah. So the idea is to do like some quick stories and for lots of shenanigans to happen and things to go wrong. It's the kind of stuff Arlstein was raised on, really. Yeah, and the kind of stuff that Goosebumps is modeled on. Right. And it's des- and it's also designed for a situation like we have where it's just two people playing or, you know, one person being the gravekeeper, which is what I'll be doing this episode. And, and I'm going to RP the G. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got a little story for us that is hopefully in the style of Goosebumps and has a few nods to some things we've been talking about on the podcast. Yeah, we're going to create our own Goosebumps book. It's so give yourself goosebumps that we're building from the ground up. Yeah, except not because we're we're building on a lot of stuff that that we've been reading. Yes. (laughs) Well, Andy, being the the player character, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name was going to be Margaret Wise Brown, (laughs) but... I don't know why that just came to me, <laughs> but I decided to go with L. Haddonfield. Very nice. L uses they, them pronouns. Mm-hmm. And they, do you want me to talk to you about my flesh, guts, brains, and tongue? <laughs> yeah, I love that. So in the Stories from the Grave, you get four qualities. So flesh is strength, brains, self-evident, guts is how like brave you are, and tongue is charisma. Right. So I have... Zero flesh, so I'm just a normal amount of strong meat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the size of a 12-year-old, the strength of a 12-year-old. Not a Conan Barber, more of a... Not a Gary Lutz either. Yeah. Just more of a... I don't know. Evan Ross. Yeah. Yeah. And then guts. I have a one, so I don't get intimidated. I am full of bravado. With stories from the grave, if you have... A one, you get to give yourself a descriptor. So what what did you choose here? Unintimidatable. <laughs> Unintimidatable. And what that translates to in the game is that Andy can can kind of invoke that sometimes when the situation might call for it. And also, it, it'll affect the way they roll. Yeah, it, it, a way of putting it would be, you can't scare me. Hey! Uh, nice. And then I've got a one for brains. So I'm a good problem solver. Unlike many goose kids. That's how I decided to make my character stand out from the rest. And then I have a minus one for tongue. Uh, the descriptor there being sasses off. <laughs> yeah. And so when you have a minus one, it also affects the way you roll. And you have to give yourself a flaw, which can sort of be invoked also throughout the game. Can the flaw be sassing off or do I have to be more specific? No, that's a great flaw. Okay, great. Some would consider not a flaw, but you know. And then the other thing for Andy and everyone else to be aware of is Andy has a pool of something called grave tokens, which are my knitting stitch markers. Yeah, they're little orange and pink circles. Yeah. L starts with three of them. And if at any point L needs something, so for example, the room is dark and L says, ah, wait, I suddenly remember I have a flashlight. They take a token and then they have a flashlight. So so they can use it to do scene editing like that. I have veto power, so it can't be like, ah, I remember I have a machete <laughs> and I just kill all the monsters. But the trade-off is that for each grave token they have, I can potentially use that against them in-game. And uh, it can also be used later on. There's a, there's a potential for like rolling a game-ending roll in the sort of third act. Ah, this does sound like give yourself goosebumps. Yeah. Not even in the third act. It starts right away. 
so the game wants you to divide everything into a three-act structure. And so at the end of Act 1 and 2, you have a chance to roll and get rid of your grave tokens if you want it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then also, if you do something I really like, I can add another one to the pool for you to draw on. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I mean, don't thank me yet. Okay. <laughs> see how you, see, see what you do. Actually, I should get into character. Thanks, stupid. <laughs> Got your Yahtzee dice all set. Yes, the power is is in my hand. Oh, and... so the other thing is this game wants me to do a Crypt Keeper voice, so I'm not going to do it. Dang. Although I was tempted to go like, hello, I'm R.L. Stein. I write the Goosebumps <laughs> books. <laughs> you should do that the whole time. <laughs> I need you all to know that Alyssa is, in fact, wearing a black button-down and some uh, <laughs> thick-rimmed glasses and won't smile. And has a has a book full of puns at the ready. Yeah. Oh, and last thing, I also want to say thank you to Chris and Candace for playtesting this for us before I before I brought it to Andy. A couple of excellent goose punks. That's right. And Chris is an excellent DM as well. So, L. Yeah. Who's asking? <laughs> Your narrator is, is just telling. Oh. You are 12 years old. Would you describe yourself as social? Do you have a lot of friends? No. No? What's your What's your sort of day-to-day like? Or? I like to go walk around in the woods behind my house with my dog and poke at stuff with sticks. <laughs> and I go to school. Yeah. Do you like school? It's fine. I like to be left alone. <laughs> and I really like the part where we can read quietly. <laughs> well, in that case... You probably weren't too upset to be uprooted from your home for the summer, since you know friends to leave behind, really. Yeah, but my woods. That's true. You, who's you... going to keep track? <laughs> who's who's going to do the poking? I think I'm really modeling this character on our dog, <laughs> on Franklin. <laughs> Who likes to go run in the woods and bark at squirrels. Yeah, and then have his alone time. <laughs> where, where did I move? Well, you didn't move so much as you were sent to stay with some relatives for a couple months. Hope they're not chatty. <laughs> Luckily, they're not. Yes. Um, yeah, your parents said something about having to work on some stuff, and you'll have a lot of fun staying with your aunt and uncle. Uh, unfortunately, they don't really live by any woods. They live in a small suburban town. They run an antique shop. They don't have any kids. So they don't 100% know how to deal with you. Uh, that translates to your uncle indeed leaving you alone, and your aunt sometimes being super chatty with you and sometimes being just very awkward. Does she also work in the antique store? Yeah, they both do. So do I hang out there all day? Yeah. It seems a little confining. So when you're there, do you just feel like itching to go out? Yeah, like jumping out of my skin a little bit. But I'll try to take a journey within and poke around the shop. You know? <laughs> poke poke things in the shop. Yeah, pretend pretend it's a forest of furniture. <laughs> So you've poked been... doll's eyes. <laughs> you've been feeling real, real cramped the last, you know, couple weeks you've been here. You know, the sort of biggest activity is walking a few blocks down to the 7-Eleven and getting yourself a soda. Mm. What kind of soda? Pepsi Blue. Nice. It's it's the late 90s. Oh, it's now. No. Oh, then I don't think Pepsi Blue exists anymore. <laughs> what kind of soda do people have now? I don't know. I probably get a seltzer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because you're a, you're a cool kid. Yeah. A cool whatever comes after Gen Z. <laughs> I'm going to get a polar black cherry seltzer. Nice. Earlier today, something happened, and three kids about your age came into the shop. And they were poking around, you know, you're... Ah, you're sharing my interest. Yeah, exactly. Like going poke, poke. <laughs> they uh, were sort of hanging out. You know, your aunt, was was who does the sort of more customer-facing stuff, was keeping an eye on them. So gendered. I know. Does my uncle fix things with his man brain and hands? No, he mostly hangs out in the basement. You're not 100% sure what he does, uh, but he makes himself scarce. Okay. Well, that's fine. Yeah. You like that about him. We should all be so lucky. <laughs> well, these kids came into the shop, and they saw you, and they don't know when they've last seen another kid their age. And so they asked if you wanted to hang out tonight. Oh, I'm kind of unsettled by this suburban town that only has three <laughs> children. It has more children, but they're just the same children all the time. So they're uh, like, ah, a new face. Yeah, I'm so bored. I will hang out with people to get out of this shop. <laughs> so that night, you meet up with them sort of on the, the corner outside the shop. And they say, come on, we're going this way. Cool. How do they, what are they, what are they wearing? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> uh, we have Bex, who has a cool sort of 
short, queer-looking haircut that that's has also dyed what you might consider like a day glow green. Ooh. Yeah, they have like a, a cool, you know, just t-shirt, baggy, baggy jeans. What kind like... of awesome town did I come to? <laughs> and then there is Josh, who the thing you notice about him is he really loves a skateboard. He has a skateboard. He doesn't do a lot of riding. He does a lot of carrying it, but he likes to talk about how good he is at skateboarding. Yeah, I mean, you look cool when you're carrying a skateboard. Yeah, it's true. Respect. Yeah. And then there's Erica, who strikes you as a little bit more of a Daria, you know, a little bit more quiet, will make the occasional, like, sort of snide comment, but 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 is doing a lot of observing you and trying to assess the situation. Wow, I'm so relieved that these are the people that came into the shop. I mean, I these guess... are the kind of kids who would go into an antique shop. I was going to say, of 12-year-olds who <laughs> would be looking for antiques, this makes sense. Yeah. It's pretty dark. You know, there's the occasional streetlight, but this is clearly the kind of place where they like it to be dark at night. So you can see the stars and is all that Davis, bullshit. Is it Davis, California? <laughs> it is not. They tell you they want to take you someplace cool. Okay. And so you walk for a little ways and you walk sort of past where the streetlights really are, are clustered and you walk to, it's not rural, you know, it's not far away, but it's... It's a little remote, and you walk up this sort of winding cobblestone or flagstone path, and you get to a chain-link fence that says, no trespassing on it. And Bex goes, and they lift up the sort of corner of it, and you can tell there's a there's a break in it, and the other two kids sort of climb under uh-huh. uh, and sort of go into whatever this place is. And they say, come on, it's not a, no big deal. So I take off my pleather jacket and toss it over the top of the fence first so it doesn't get caught. Oh, really? Yeah. And then I crawl underneath. Oh, cool. Bex kind of nods at you. Like, there's some respect there. Why did you look so surprised when I said that? Oh, I thought you were going to scale the fence. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, fuck this, I'm going over. <laughs> like, I thought it was a, like, oh, this is this is uh, cushioning me. <laughs> No, uh, I don't want to um, work more than I have to. I got to save my strength. We don't know what we're getting into. That's true. That's true. Bex crawls through after you, and they say, "I think you're really gonna like this place." And Josh goes, "Yeah, it's really cool." Can I get any more details about what this place is? <laughs> As you walk a little bit more, you see at the sort of top of the hill, there's this really big house. It's the kind of thing that you might call a mansion if you saw it in a movie. It's 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 a little fallen down. Like, it's seen better days, like paint peeling, but it's got lots of these, like, sort of steep angles. It's got, you know, high windows. It's got... It, like a sort of like almost like turret looking thing at the top. Is it called Hill House? No. So Beck says that's the old Craven House. It's been Ooh. abandoned for a while, but Craven and Haddonfield. That's right. That's crossover. Right. That's right. It's a nod to the old Carpenter House. Ah, yeah. yes. see, see, good storytelling, AC. <laughs> Thanks. Josh says, yeah, like all the cool kids like to hang out here. There are cool kids in this town. <laughs> yeah, you're with them, bro. <laughs> okay. Sure. I don't even know that I've met cool kids in the Gooseverse necessarily, aside from maybe Andy and... Can you think of any others? No, that tends to not be our protagonist uh, pool. The two kids from Vampire Breath thought they were really tough kids. Mm -hmm. That's different, though. But I feel like there's... Yeah, there's not a lot of cool happening. (laughs) Oh, wait. There was the guy from Attack of the Jack-O-Lanterns who R.L. Stein had... Uh, talk real cool like the rappers on TV. And always have gum in his mouth, yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Anyway, Lee. Lee. Yeah. <laughs> so you you approach the house. You sort of go up the porch steps and they're uh, uh, like creaking under your feet. <laughs> Someone has clearly jimmied the lock. Like this is clearly not the first time anyone has been here before. Spidey, maybe. I don't know, man. You just got to go in and find out. Okay. Well. Do I have to go in and find out? No. This is your choice. I want to. Okay. okay. I just like to know. <laughs> this is like the beginning of um, the Carnival of Horrors or whatever. Yeah. Where it's like, I could go home and have dinner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going in the house, but do they want me to go in first or are they going in first? They're going in first. Okay. Then I feel good about that. Yeah. They. I don't totally trust these kids. They get in there and they're sort of looking around. You can see that this was like once a really nice house. There, you can see sort of at the top of the windows some old, like, stained glass. Uh, you can see what were probably once really nice hardwood floors. Mm. You can see spaces where pictures and portraits have been removed from the wall. But, you know, looking around it now, it's 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 pretty dilapidated. There's some, like, garbage around, you know. Like, clearly some people have been here, like, left some, like, empty chips boxes. 
or wrappers or bags. Bags. That's what chips come in. And then <laughs> a wrapped chip wrapper, chip wrapper. Yeah. There's the occasional like piece of furniture that people thought was like just too gross to bother moving. So it's just been there like succumbing to gravity. There's some pentacles on the wall from when kids come here to have black masses. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. And specifically these kids I'm hanging out with. <laughs> yeah, probably. You're all kind of standing around in the foyer and Josh says, let's go down to the basement. Sometimes people leave cool stuff down there. I have a question, Josh. Yeah. What were you going to show me that was cool? <laughs> and he says, geez, why do we invite this person along? I'm not trying to be an asshole. I just literally don't know. He says people leave like boxes of stuff, clothes and like, I don't know, there was like sometimes old toys. I mean, not toys. Like that wouldn't be cool, but like, you know, <laughs> stuff. So I'm like back in the antique shop again. Kind of, except it's not It's not for sale. It's it's free. It's like an anarchist an- uh, antique shop. Yeah. I like it. Okay. Yeah. Well, and Beck says, well, we could also go up to the attic. I've heard that there are things up there. Okay. So there's clothes in the basement and things in the <laughs> attic. Gee. Um, I would say the basement because okay. I'm very intimidated by what the lack of specificity <laughs> of the second option. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm really curious now also, too. Can I choose both? I'm being a chicken. (laughs) Okay. No, let's go to the attic. But I feel bad that I hurt Josh's feelings. This is the problem with trying to be a character who's not like me, as I'm a real people pleaser and want people to like me. And my character is not. Okay. It's hard for me to stick to that. That's But you should stick to it. You don't know these kids. Like, who cares? You might never see them again. Like, if they're not cool, why would you hang out with them again? You can just go poke stuff at the 7-Eleven. Okay. So I'll say... You know, I've seen clothes before, but I don't know that I've seen things. So let's go to the attic. Bex is trying to figure out whether or not they should be insulted by that, but they let it go. So you climb up the stairs to the second floor and the third floor. And, you know, just as you go, it's just great, great. The structural integrity of the house just feels like more and more in question as you go. Yeah, that's a goose verse classic. It is, yeah. Most of the biggest dangers that these kids run into have to do with, like, not or often have to do with, like, falling through floors or getting electrocuted. Yeah, terrible infrastructure. Yeah. They lead the three of you to this space sort of towards the back of the house. And there's one of those pull strings that hangs from the ceiling and they pull it down and the sort of, like, stairs unfurl, you know, oh, the no. clap, clap down. That's never good. And they say, do you, after you. After me, huh? How about before me. <laughs> Why don't you try to persuade them? Um, yeah, sure. By uh, rolling your dice. Oh. Because L has a negative one tongue score, they're going to roll three dice and take the two lowest numbers. Okay. Three and two. Three and two. So that's a five. So that is a failure. Damn. They say not, nah, but you know, if you're chicken, we can go down to the basement. That's fine. <sighs> Look, your schoolyard mind games are not affecting me, but if you're too chicken, then I guess I'll go first. So you do? Yeah, I don't have a choice. <laughs> I don't want them to think I'm chicken. Their schoolyard mind games did work on me. <laughs> so I start heading up there, but I kind of got my hands out and hand out in front of me. I'm afraid of getting hit on my head for some reason. <laughs> you're climbing up this sort of clackety little ladder, and you put your hand out. And kind of immediately you hit some cobwebs. Yeah. Yeah. I'll wipe it off on someone behind me. <laughs> and then so Josh is like, hey, it's my hair. <laughs> Just don't get on my skateboard, okay? <laughs> so you climb up into the attic. There are no lights or anything, but there's a big window. You recognize that this is the sort of turret you were looking at from the outside. Oh, can I see, like, moonlight? Yeah, there's moonlight streaming through. It is a full moon. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so you, you climb in. The other kids sort of come in after you. Because that Daria kid seems like she could be a werewolf. What's her name? Erica. Erica seems like a werewolf. Mm. <laughs> Are you smiling because she is? No. <laughs> I just, I was just, I was like, you don't say that out loud, right? You're just thinking it. <laughs> just talking to yourself. <laughs> Uh, let's, uh, no, I didn't say that out loud. I I know some of the rules of society. (laughs) So, so y'all get up there and, and Beck sort of pulls the door closed behind you and something. Was that necessary, Bex? They say, yeah, like you want to like accidentally step through and like fall down to your death. Because I didn't think about that. I'm more concerned about the more common horror movie outcome of getting stuck. They say like, look, we do this all the time. It's fine. All right. 
And so there's shadows moving on the wall. There's there's something, you know, there are a few things like sort of covered in sheets the way they are in horror movies. The window isn't like fully sealed. So there's some breeze getting through and it's casting these sort of moving shadows on the wall. Very Dark Falls vibes. Also, you know, Bex is saying here, this is what I'm thinking. Bex is saying, oh, lots of kids come up here, but I haven't seen other kids. I'm kind of concerned that the reason there's only three kids in this town I know you said there maybe is more, but maybe they've been, they only want there to be three. <laughs> I mean, you don't, you don't have any further insight into this point. Okay. Unless you want to, I don't know. What, I don't know what you would even roll to figure out if there are other kids. Brains? Brains? Just to see if okay. you've seen any other kids before, like if you're thinking about it. I don't know if it really takes much brains to <laughs> remember if I saw other kids. No, it's okay. Let's okay. just keep going. I liked the scene you were setting. Nice. The Good. sheets. Yeah movement. Yeah, so there's some 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 pretty large objects covered in sheets and there's also a few boxes. Everyone's sort of like kind of kind of taking stock of the room and what do you what do you do? Well, what makes me most nervous is the things covered in sheets. So I kind of want to see what's under them to make sure they aren't like a person or a cat. Okay. So, how many like is there like a really big one or something? Yeah, yeah, there's a pretty big one that's sort of swaying by the window. Oh my god. I'm very nervous, but I'm just going to pull it off really quick. Okay, make a guts roll. Okay. See how brave you are. So I have a plus one for guts, so I get to count all three of these? Uh, You count the top top two. Top two. Nine. Okay, so when someone rolls between a seven to nine in this game, they get the option of either a controlled failure, where they control the sort of circumstances of them failing that role, or a conditional success, where they succeed in what they're trying to do, but the gravekeeper gets to also do something mean to them. Conditional success. Okay. I like when you're in control. (laughs) So you being as confident and bold and cool looking as you possibly can be, you take the sheet and you rip it like you're doing a magician, you know, doing that trick with the table. Yeah. You kind of hit yourself in the face with it. <laughs> and then and then something just flies onto you and oh, you fuck. fall backwards and you scream and you're screaming, get it off me, get it off me. Um, you know, the other kids rush over. When you sort of come to your senses a little bit, you realize it is a dressmaker's dummy that has fallen on. You got caught on the oh. sheet and you sort of pulled it over onto yourself. Is this Aunt Catherine's abandoned house? Uh, who can say? That was in the basement, though. Yeah. Oh, no. Josh is snickering a little bit. You know, you, 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 Bex and Erica have pretty good poker faces, but you don't quite have the cool that, that you were going for. Yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> At least I still have my pleather jacket. That's true. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, if there was a cool category, I'd give you give you a plus one in cool. <laughs> now what do you want to do? I want to figure out, is this like some kind of room a tailor worked in? A ghost tailor? <laughs> Why is there a dressmaker's dummy up here? What else is under in these boxes and things? Okay, so you start going through these boxes. I want the other kids to go through them too. They're also going through them. Um, I want to tell them too. Okay, do it. Let's figure out what's going on around here. You know, why is there this dressmaker's dummy? Who lived here before? Let's go through these boxes and try to get a sense of what this room was about. Yeah, they seem amenable to that. And Erica says, you know, I don't think anyone's lived here since, like, I've been alive. Like, I don't even know if they lived here when my parents were alive. This is how old this house is. So, like, pre-2000s. Yeah. That is pretty old. It's really old. (laughs) Back when they used to put stained glass and everything. Yeah. (laughs) Josh says, I heard someone was murdered in this house. Oh, really? Uh, what, do you know any more about that? And Beck sort of kicks him and says, like, he doesn't, he doesn't know anything. And Josh says, it's true. Was it a kid? No. Did you do it? No. Okay. He looks very offended. He sort of hugs the skateboard closer to his chest because he's still got it with him. You <laughs> see this got flames painted on the, on the underside, but they're like, like hand painted. It's not like a decal or anything. Are there consequences to me annoying Josh? I mean, it depends how far you push it. <laughs> Growing up, there was a Josh I liked to annoy, too. <laughs> and he's still your friend. Yeah, I know. Unless there's another Josh I don't know about. No, that's the Josh. <laughs> he's great. So we can start going through some boxes. Erica finds these, like, five... They were probably once tapered candles, but they've mostly been burned down. What's a taper candle? Uh, they're, like, really tall candles. Oh. Tall and thin. Like, for church? I think for, like, dinner tables. Oh. I've clearly not... I'm clearly not super familiar, but I've seen them in movies. I think I've seen them in Gilmore Girls. Yeah, there you go. They also find some weird old books. They find some stuff that looks like it's like pretty waterlogged. Is there a bell? A bell. Uh, bell, book, and candle. 
There could be some, like, Catholic shit going on here. Do you want to take a grave token to see if you find a bell? Yes. Okay. Especially since I totally don't totally understand what the consequences are of taking one. <laughs> well, you're in luck because I each time I've played this, I have really forgotten to exploit the grave token, so it's probably fine. Okay. Uh, so you just take it and put it somewhere in your own your own grave token pile or on your hand like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the stitch markers are big enough to be sort of ring sized. So you find a bell. Uh, what are you going to do with these things? You have a bell, a book, and a and a candle and a bunch of candles. I'm just going to tell the other kids these things are for excommunicating someone from the Catholic Church. <laughs> it's clear that like Josh has no idea what you're saying. Bex is trying to figure it out, but does also doesn't know. But Erica is like, "Oh, cool! Can we do some ritual yeah. with it? Can we excommunicate someone?" Oh, I did not know Erica was going to be the one I like, and I do say that out loud. <laughs> yeah, Bex and Josh look kind of wounded, but Bex is at least moderately trying to hide it, and Josh just is just hugging a skateboard tighter. So Erica says, "What do we do? Show me." I think first we have to light some light these candles because we have to either like snuff them out or snuff them out and dash them to the ground to complete the excommunication. Cool. Who are we gonna excommunicate? Like, I think it seems like Josh is the obvious one, but I don't know. I don't know your guys' relationship. Eric seems like that's fine. <laughs> Bex, how do you feel? Bex is like, yeah, whatever. They're clearly still trying to figure out what excommunicate means, so they're just, like, going along with whatever you say right now. Okay, cool. So we're going to light some candles. Cool. You set them up, like, what, like, in, like, a circle on the ground, or? Um, I don't totally. I'm kind of making it up as I go along. What? Yeah, but I, I remember that you go, like, fiat, fiat, fiat. And Josh is like, you, you buy me a car? <laughs> okay, you get to not be excommunicated then. <laughs> But then, while we've been goofing around with these lit candles, you know, we've been leaving them unattended. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, have you been, like, near them? Is anybody, Are you sitting by them? I'm standing kind of in front of them. We just kind of put them on the ground while I was, like, <laughs> kind of coming at Josh and making fun of him. Uh, I think that we kind of made up through this. Though. Okay, that's cool. Make a flesh roll. Uh, so L's flesh is zero, so they're going to roll two dice and take the total. Seven. Controlled failure or conditional success. And I get to pick it if it's conditional success. No, you get to you get to pick which one of those. And if it's controlled failure, you tell me what happens. Controlled failure. While we're goofing around, I stumble backwards. I knock over a candle. Control. I don't get any wax on my clothes. Fail. <laughs> I do knock the flame onto the ground. Oh shit! And it so, starts spreading. Oh my god! Damn! And so you like all of you are immediately freaking out. Beck says, "Your jacket. Use your jacket to put it out." No. <laughs> I won't. But use your jacket to put it out. Um, so you're all stomping on it. Someone grabs the, the bed sheet and is, it throws it on. Is trying to stomp on it. Roll. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. You're taking a... Andy is taking a grave token. Elle is taking a grave token. I remember that I have two polar black cherry seltzers in my bag. <laughs> okay. So I pull those out and I dump it on the fire. It goes out and they're like, fuck, that was almost... Or they're like, oh, shoot, that was almost really bad. You know what else I noticed? Huh. The fire revealed some strange markings in the floor. Whoa. What kind of markings? It's almost like invisible ink in reverse in a way. It's like somebody had, must have spread something flame retardant on the ground and there's all these little shapes I don't totally recognize. It looks almost like a language. Maybe it's like like zodiac symbols. I don't totally know. They're looking at it and Josh says, whoa, I wonder if there's a cult here. And and Erica sort of like smacks him a little bit. Is like, don't be stupid. <laughs> um, and Bex is just sort of studying studying them nervously. And then you hear the bell ring, which is weird because none of you are holding it. It's on the ground. Shit, that is weird. And it rings again. Oh no! What do you do? I one I uh, I try to look rings for again. To try to look for where it's coming from. It's coming from the bell. It's on the ground in front of you. I pick up the bell and see if there's a mouse under it. <laughs> There is no mouse under it, but there's a little bird. Oh. It's not a live bird. There's a lot of... Oh. Because <laughs> there's just a lot of birds in the goose first. Is this maybe Sam or one of the other bird children? It Could it be one of the chicken chicken kids? Well, it's a jeweled bird. So it's not It's a not a live bird. bird. Phew. It is a little bird standing on its two sort of metallic legs and... Its uh, body is sort of crusted in these yellow and white 
jewels. Okay. And its eyes have these sort of two large deep blue jewels and has a, has a little beak. You can see that it's, it, so it's got these little wings and you can see that they are meant to sort of like flap up and down. Oh, that and, must have been what hit the bell. And um, yeah, and the legs you can see can move a little bit too. And there's a sort of joint around the neck that means it can also sort of swivel and turn around and stuff. Wow. It's very intricate. Sounds like the work of some kind of camera manufacturer <laughs> or person who works in an amusement park making robot children yeah. who formerly ran a piano school. Yeah, that's a very specific observation, Elle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know my, my, my bots. What do you do? I pick it up. And I'm like, look at this bird. And everyone's like, whoa, that's so cool. Yeah. And Erica says, do you think that, like, your family works in an antique shop? Like, do you think that's worth money? Yes. <laughs> Everything's worth money to someone. <laughs> First rule of the antique shop world. <laughs> They're very impressed by your, your business sense. I know a lot of random things, yes. So you're holding this little bird in your hand, and you, f you feel it start to grow warmer. No, no. Make a flesh roll. Okay. I also want to say, as an aside, I have a theory that this is... You remember Christopher Robin from uh, <laughs> Go Eat Worms? Was? No. Oh. <laughs> the big paper mache oh, right. from Go Eat Worms. Maybe they uh, made a second one and bedazzled it. <laughs> Still could be worth money. Yeah. So make a flesh roll. Nine. Nine. Controlled failure or conditional success. Let's do a conditional six. Wait. I guess you don't really know what's happening. So what you feel is, so the, the bird is starting to hurt your hand and you feel sort of compelled to look at it, touch it. Oh no. So controlled failure, conditional success. Controlled failure. So you find yourself just drawn to touch it. You touch the little beak and as you're touching it, the head sort of moves a little bit <laughs> and you, you spin it. You know, you touch a little bit more and the head sort of spins around. Oh, like, shit. This is a cuckoo clock situation. 360 degree We're all going to be angle. babies and in pleather diapers. Yeah. And as you do that, you scream and drop it. And the other kids are like, what? I just, I read this book about a cuckoo clock that if you turned <laughs> its head backwards, time would go backwards. And I kind of freaked myself out. <laughs> They're like, that's really weird. Yeah, I know. It's also the bird felt hot and uh, painful. I'm kind of scared. They're kind of like, okay. Well, you touch it if you're so skeptical. Um, They're like, no, it's okay. You found it. You, What do you do? Try to pick it up again. Okay. I'm going to pocket it. Okay. Take it home. Flesh roll. Four. Oh, that is a failure, my friend. I can't pick it up. Oh, you pick it up, but it is still hot. It still hurts, and you just feel even more compelled and drawn to look in its eyes and you realize it's his eyes aren't just stones like they look like these voids and that there's something sort of swirling in them and that you just you can't look away and you find yourself just drawn and mesmerized oh no and then the world around you seems to fade away as you sort of fall into the void of this bird's eyes cool and that's the end of act one. Oh, so between acts you get to roll to see if you can purge some of your grave tokens Okay. So you have two? Yeah. Roll two dice, and if you get a five or a six, you can perch one for each five or six. Nope. Folks, I just have to say at the top, this is extremely fun for me, at the top of Act 2 here. And, uh, yeah, this is a good DM. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you're having fun. I hope I hope it's fun to listen to. Um, I hope it isn't. <laughs> I'm Elle Haddonfield, and I like to sass off. <laughs> well, Elle has failed to purge any grave tokens, so so they still have two. Ooh, I put them down wrong, And there's though. one in the pool. So you you feel like you're sort of coming to, but you're walking. It's almost like things were were blurred. Oh you lost God. sight of reality. I you hope lost... I didn't hurt anyone. Yeah. And you feel that you're, you feel like your hands are restrained. So until your hands are not restrained anymore, you're actually going to take a negative one for flesh. Okay. You, you feel yourself, you're walking and you sort of, you're blinking and trying to get your eyesight back and you realize you're... Walking down a long corridor, and to your right is Bex, to your left is Josh, and someone is behind you. You you assume it's Erica. Bex and Josh each have a, a hand on on one of your arms, and they are marching. Like their demeanor has totally changed. They are marching you somewhere. Oh shit! Yeah. Do they were they less 
unknowing than they seemed. <laughs> I mean, that would be a fair assumption. Man. I wish I, I could talk to... You know, I do have one friend back home. Uh-huh. His name's Gary Lutz. <laughs> and he remembers everything he reads. In, he reads a lot of books about animals. And I mm. wish that I could get some information from him about bird lore so that I would know a little bit of what's happening here. Uh, so this is happening. What do you do? I say, what's going on? What happened? I blacked out. Did, is every, did I hurt someone? Why are you holding me? Where are we going? Got a lot of questions. Bex says, you are under arrest. You hurt someone, but it's more of an abstract sense. You hurt the fabric of reality. Oh. <laughs> we are, you know, so it could have had real devastating consequences for for all of the universe. So these are some of these underaged reality police employees that I've heard so much about. In fact, yes. That is the next thing that they say, which is, we're with the reality police and you're under arrest. You're coming with us. But, you know, you're real lucky because normally we would just take you and liquidate you, but... Liquidate? Yeah, liquidate. But you've been tagged. Your our, our boss wants to see you. Oh, shit. So I am going to try and text for help. <laughs> okay, so your hands are bound. I thought they were just holding them. Well, they're restrained. You Okay. Where is your phone located it's in my on your pocket? Okay. Which pocket? The one on my right. On your right? Okay, your hands I'm are... right-handed. I should, should specify your hands are bound behind you. So oh. how are you going to do this, if you want to do it? I'm going to kind of shift mm-hmm. over this way and reach for my phone with my hand, my right hand, into my pocket. Make a flesh roll. Okay. But I only have one. Uh, you have minus one on flesh now. So what you do is you roll three dice and you take the low, some of the lowest two dice. That is a failure. You fumble for your phone, and it as you're doing that, it sort of falls out of your pocket and clatters behind you. Oh, no. It's gone. It's gone. My parents are going to kill me. And, uh, you know, you see uh, Josh kind of smirk as that happens, and they just, they just keep going. Fuck. And Beck says, you're outside of time. You don't get reception where we are. <laughs> is it like the corridors in... Night and Terror Tower, where there was all those like people wandering around, sort of you seeking know, sanctuary. Not seeking sanctuary, you know. As you 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 start to come to like a more open space, and you realize it's it's more like an office. <laughs> uh, it's there are people who uh, look busy at uh, different kinds of computers. You see um, a big glass room that has all these random like things that are in evidence bags that are sort of tagged. Like there's one that has a, some sort of dummy that's sitting upright. There's something that looks a like a potato with here. fangs. Oh. There's, there's a flashlight that says molecule detector light <laughs> on the side of it. <laughs> oh man. I'm getting into the metaverse. And it, yeah. So you're trying to catch a glimpse of all these things. And everyone's just sort of going about their day. Like this is not a big deal. Um, but if you kind of look to the sort of windows that would face the outside, it's just that sort of blue void that reminds you of the bird's eyes. And is in it fact, as mesmerizing? Uh, yeah. You're, you're still, still being marched and walked though, but you get the sense that if you were to keep looking, you would maybe lose it a little bit. I close my eyes and I say, I have to pee. <laughs> Make a tongue roll. Five. That is a failure. Beck says you can pee later. I am going to pee on you. <laughs> well, that would be pretty impressive, but you know you can just pee on yourself. God damn it. Erica says behind you. If I were you, I wouldn't pee yourself before you meet the boss. <laughs> Tell me more about the boss. Well, you're about to meet her. Oh, her. You are a girl boss. <laughs> It's a hashtag girl boss. She wants you to sell essential oils. <laughs> as long as she She's leans in. She's here to sell werewolf sweat. Right. <laughs> they march you to the end of this hallway with this big door, and they open it. Inside is this office that looks like, like, three quarters of it is glass, and it just looks out onto the void. And there's a this giant, you know, one of those big Dr. Evil-style chairs that's facing away from you, and in front of it there's this, like, big mahogany desk with desk with all kinds of like papers and desk toys. Is it a desk or is it a mutant pretending to be a desk? I, you don't know. I suspect it's a mutant <laughs> pretending to be a desk and maybe I can get some help around here. Yeah. You know, you hear the door close behind you and Beck says, we got him, boss. And you hear a voice say, very good. Oh. And the chair starts to turn 
and turn and you see the chief of the reality police. And what's surprising is you're looking at a 10 year old girl. She is, you know, sort of skinny. She's got like stringy hair. Red hair. Is it Tara? It is Tara. <gasps> yeah. So she Good get, for her. She gets up on, uh, out of her out of her chair and she stands so that she's leaning over the desk. You realize you can kind of see she's got like a milk crate under there that she's <laughs> standing on to like be more imposing. Did she become part of the reality police because she got so upset by the way she was wronged by her brother that she's like there needs to be some order on reality? You were kind of on the right track here. I mean, I just, rem- you know, Elle has read this book, actually. Oh, interesting. So all of these stories exist in this universe. So it's almost like they're, like, true stories without realizing it. Maybe that's how the reality police support themselves is by <laughs> selling fictionalized narratives of their escapades. That's great. I love that. I'm going to add a grave token to your pool. Yes! So there's two in the pool now. Yeah, but I'm really glad I did my reading, actually, that I've read so many of these. What are they called in this universe? Tell me. I don't know. What's the equivalent of Goosebumps? Boosegumps books. <laughs> yeah, they have these really weird names. You don't know why they became so popular. Maybe they didn't become popular because they had this just terrible marketing. But luckily, I know people in the antiques world, and so I'm able to get my hands on them. That's right. You've got these boxes of like really smelly books that you've just been reading for the past few weeks because you, there's nothing to do. Yeah, so in the Boosegump book, um, <laughs> I remember that Tara... This, the, what, what's the name of the book? You realize you found your way into some like old Playboys. <laughs> well, the important thing is I remember Tara really has a protein deficiency. And so in addition to two polar seltzers, which I've now tossed out, I am really into bodybuilding. <laughs> it doesn't work great because I'm 12, but I'm like looking forward to when it pays off for me. And I've got some muscle milk. So Ew. I think I've got, it's, you know what muscle milk is? I do. It's just such a terrible name. It is a terrible name. It's worse than Boost Gump. <laughs> hey, I'm the sass around here. <laughs> Excuse me. But I think I have a, I think it's a pretty good bargaining chip. Do I need to take a grave token to have muscle milk? Yeah. I like that a lot of your grave tokens have to do with beverages. <laughs> I'm planning to use it to okay. negotiate with the girl boss. Okay. <laughs> Given that it's Tara, I bet she's not into like that culture, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So she looks at you and she says, do you know how long I've been waiting for someone from your reality, my reality to bring this to me? Well, you're what, 10 right now? So probably a few months. <laughs> <laughs> So what you remember from the Boost Gump book is that she was 10 in 1995. Oh, wow. She's old. Yeah. Especially compared to you. Except also she's young. It's very weird. It makes your head hurt when you think about it. She's 36, though. But she's also still 10. Huh. But she's seen things. And you get the sense, too, that, like, where you are has this outside of time quality that means, like, who knows? Maybe it's been 100 years for her. She's seen so many realities. But she says... I have been waiting for someone from your reality to bring me this bird, and I'm so glad it was you. Why? Because you have inside access to the person I want. Your Uncle Mike was my brother. Oh. And he... I can't believe he got married. To Mona. What? Because he he had this fucking cuckoo clock. He could do whatever the fuck with. Oh, what a dirty guy. No wonder he makes himself scarce. Yeah. And so I need you... To bring him to me. I cannot re-enter my reality. I don't know why. I cannot touch that bird. But he cast me outside of time, outside of my universe. I built this entire fucking police force to get back, to, to exist again. Yeah. I want, I, I want to be alive again, and I want my revenge. And I need you to help me. I'm really happy to do this with you, you know? I would love to be on the good side of the reality police. I, I actually <laughs> brought along a little something for you. Uh, chocolate or strawberry? She looks at you and says, uh, strawberry? Yeah. On that, here you go, la- lady. I, I, yeah, and let me take care of this mic problem for you. What, what do you want me to do? It, Bex hands, hands her your bag and she fishes out the muscle milk and is kind of looking at it like, huh? Like, but she just puts it sort Trust of me. to the side. Trust me. <laughs> to the side of her desk and is like, okay, whatever. And she says, he's messed with the clock. I don't know how it works, but you need to find a way to bring him to me. Or... Or somehow bring me to him. I don't know. You need to figure it out. Did Mike take over the antique store that his dad used to go and jack off in front of? Yes. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) 
Okay. So that's my grandpa. Oh, no, actually. So, sorry. You are related on Mona's side because oh. Mike and Mona have no kids and Mike has no siblings. So I it's am. Your, that's like, a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That also means I probably got the attractive genes. Yeah, probably. From Mona. And the ample amount of protein from parents who were not quite as uh, <laughs> quite as off the rocker. Great. No salad for us. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, no problem. No problem. Because here's what I'm thinking. I'm like, look, I help the reality police. This will probably help me out in the future. Or I can just avoid these people for the for the on for the foreseeable future too. You can avoid the reality police. Yeah. I'll just cut my hair or something. <laughs> um, I'll go back to home. I'm not going to be here much longer. I think they, they, I think they have ways of tracking you down. I, you get the sense that they've been trying to make this happen more or less since you were born. Weird. I mean, what that tells me is they're not very good at their jobs, so I can probably avoid them for <laughs> another 12 years. Do you see any downsides to helping them at all? No. I mean, Mike, I have no relationship with him. He sounds like he was a real prick. Downsides... They might ask me to do more stuff in the future. Like, you know, it's like getting tied up with the mob or something. I don't want to be their on-call hitman. Or do I? I don't have a career path ahead of me. <laughs> in this economy? <laughs> Poking stuff in the woods is all I've been practicing. <laughs> well, maybe that'll come in handy. They look a little suspicious. They're like, wow, that was really easy to convince you to, to turn on a member of your family. I have no moral compass. They note that in our, I think, think they're sort of you know, signaling to each other that, like, they, they definitely need to keep a, a stricter eye on you since you have no moral compass. Oh. I should, uh, guess I should learn not to say that aloud. <laughs> no moral compass and no filter. <laughs> Tara says, well, look, here's the deal. I can put you back in your time. I can't help you more than that. I will have my people watching you. When do you want to go back in your time? Oh. You um, can go back same day. You can go back same as, same as you left. You can go back earlier. You can go back later. Does my time mean... From when I was born onward? Yes, because they're concerned about creating paradoxes. How Because Because this has to stick. If it doesn't, if like there's some sort of paradox, then it doesn't work. It was all waste of time. And then maybe Mike will be a little bit more on, on the alert. So I don't want to give up the opportunity to time travel, but I also don't see any reason I shouldn't just go back to like right now. Mm -hmm. Mike's probably asleep. And I also, it's interesting bringing this up. It just makes me really curious how far into the future I have before, you know, my, my sand has passed through all the hourglass how long am i gonna live is it you are you asking this yeah like what are my what years do i have open tara says it's against protocol to tell you that what i will tell you is that if you do this for us that can be on the table it can be variable oh cool yeah just send me back to now that's and great. if you fuck us over it can also be variable she adds i don't think this will be a problem don't worry okay Here, take the chocolate too Oh, yeah, two muscle milks. Nice. I just think once she has them, once she tries them, she's going <laughs> to feel really good about me. <laughs> I think your other career path is muscle milk salesperson. <laughs> if this doesn't work out, yeah. So just to be clear, we're sending you back to the moment when you sort yeah. of blacked out. It's going to be like 4 a.m. right now or something. I, I think it's more like 10. P.m.? Yeah. Great. Even better. They do it. They send you back. All by myself? All by yourself, but you get the sense that the reality police are watching. Do I know the way back? So you go, doo -doo 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 -doo, and you, you go back. <laughs> uh, you're in the same house. Like, you're still in the attic. Uh, you're by yourself. Oh, I meant, do I know how to get back from the attic to my Glenant's place? Do you need help getting back from there? Or do you want to roll for it? I just wanted to know if I have that basic knowledge. Well, I mean... Andy wouldn't. This town isn't very big. Okay. So, like, you more or less walked a straight line from town. So probably if you leave the fence, you'll see the sort of lights in town and you'll just walk towards where the only streetlights are. I'm glad Elle has more of a sense of direction than I do. All right. Here we go. All right. She going home? No, I'm going to the basement. Oh, of the house? Yeah. Okay. What are you going to do Wait, is that fucking it up? <laughs> no. I just want to see what's down there. Uh, it's some boxes of clothes, um, an old wardrobe full of stuff. There is uh, like a Ouija board. Ooh. Yeah, just some old junk. Some some of it you kind of recognize from the reality police offices. Cool. Yeah. Is there a blue plastic can of any kind? Do you want to use a grave token for there to be? Yes. Okay. I find a can marked Monster Blood. Amazing miracle substance. Monster <laughs> Blood. Monster Blood. See? Yeah. Cool. So, so you put I, that in your backpack. I pocket that along with the... Uh, now that you don't have two cans of seltzer and two cans of muscle milk. <laughs> I like to be balanced out. Yeah. Uh, so uh, then I... <laughs> that's why I have to pee so much. 
And then I also take the little, um, what do you call the thing on the Ouija board that you look through? Planchette. I take the planchette because I like to be balanced out. <laughs> so I've got a planchette in one pocket and monster blood in the other. Those are even weight. Yes. Okay. I don't know how much monster blood really weighs before it's been opened. That's fair. It could be like a speck. Yeah. Are you imagining it's like a Coke can size? I or you just it's... have really roomy cargo pants? I do have really roomy pants. They're not cargo pants. Oh, excuse me. Um, <laughs> Andy gave me, Elle gave me this look that was like, you loser. When I started searching for more masculine shorts a few years ago, and this is Andy speaking, my brother was like, don't buy cargo pants. And I'm like, can't I buy cargo pants? And he's like, you can't buy cargo <laughs> pants. That's one of the rules. <laughs> one of the rules of masculine dress. Yeah, apparently. So uh, that's that you'd know it from walking around Boston. <laughs> it's true. But anyway, so no, I'm not wearing cargo pants. I do have room. Uh, and I'm picturing the Monster Blood can is basically the size of a Play-Doh canister. Okay. Yeah. One nice. Of standard size. Compact. Yes. Excellent. Off we go. All right. So you go home. And I think to myself, Josh really uh, was overselling that basement. <laughs> yeah. You get the sense it was maybe sort of part of the whole entrapment thing. Oh, I didn't get that sense, but I'm glad that I have a narrator to tell me these things. You get back. The Your aunt and uncle live in an apartment that's above the antique store. Um, So you have a key that gets you into their apartment. Can I say also just a little bit of character development here? Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, you know, on the one hand, I feel really special and glad to be picked out to be useful to someone. But on the other hand, this confirms my suspicion that they didn't just want to hang out with me. <laughs> Yeah, this is in keeping with my past experience. That's that's unfortunate that that's that's been your that's that's been the sort of outcome of this. Yeah, You're just more of a loner. This is why I don't have a moral compass because I'm like people are you know just trying to get something out of you. Yeah, this really did contribute to your sort of overall cynicism. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have a key. I have a key to their house, but do I have a key to their bedroom? You don't, because that would be weird. Yeah, I was wondering that. <laughs> and you don't have any more grave tokens to take. You come home and Mona is, you're not sure where she is. She's like maybe in the bedroom, maybe doing something. And Mike is kind of vegging out in front of the TV. Oh, I don't need a key to their bedroom. Um, and so you're standing here about to make this momentous decision that'll affect your family and all of reality. And that's the end of act two. Oh, shit. So you have a chance here to purge some of your grave tokens. I got two fives. Cool. So give me two of those. There you go. So you have purged two, and they are now out of play. One thing I want to flag for us as we move into Act 3 is that there will be times when there is the chance of what is called a grave failure, a game-ending failure. Okay. Where And I, I have to announce them beforehand. So if you score a, like a four or below on those rolls, the game ends, you fail at whatever it is you're doing, and one of the sort of modifications is we subtract from your final roll the number of grape tokens that oh, you have. Oh, no. Yeah. So, so that is also a possibility. Okay. Okay. So we resume Act 3 where we left Act 3. Yeah. Where we left Act 2. You're standing in front of Mike. What do you do? So I was standing behind him. You're whatever. You walked into the living room. He's vegging out on the couch. He's not really taking notice of you because you're a kid. Who cares? I'm wishing that I paid better attention to exactly what Tara wanted. I feel like she didn't give me a lot of instructions. I'm like, do I hit him on the head with a hammer? Do I do you need to die? <laughs> wow. You really took this in a Night of the Living Dummy direction. It was like, okay, so I have to kill him. No. Um, have you to... still have the bird. You feel it in your pocket. It's warm. Oh. It is sort of like scratching at you with its wings. You um, have to somehow bring... Mike to her. That's what she wants. Because if you just kill him, that doesn't really fix her situation. I say, hey, Mike, uncle of mine, what you doing? What you watching? Football. Wow. How'd you like to make some money? <laughs> he looks at you. It's like, from you? I uh, was just doing some exploring outside, and I found something I thought you might be interested in. So it's really... You know, don't be distracted by the outside of this object. I need you to really look at the eyes, um, <laughs> like deep into the eyes, because I think that there might be, uh, I think these might be some valuable, valuable jewels. So um, I'm just going to pull this out. And I want you to just look into the eyes and tell me if you see what I see. He looks super unimpressed. This could make us all rich. Okay. Well, it can make you rich. Oh. I'm not your heir or anything. Okay. He looks like he's sort of humoring you. Okay, let's do this. So what do you do? Pull out the bird. I'm holding it really tightly. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't trust this guy. And I'm like, look into the eyes. So, but presumably you're now showing it to him so he can see the eyes. Yeah. Well, he immediately recognizes what it is. So make a flesh roll because he's going to try and get it from you. Uh, you're back at zero, by the way, because you're, you're no longer restrained. Four. Yeah. He snatches it away from you. I slap him. <laughs> you slap him. He still snatches it away from you. I even slap though. him again. He's, he's, he's like, ow. And he, he grabs your arm and he says, you come with me. No. Well, he's grabbing your arm, so... Well, I'm kicking his balls. Uh, Okay, roll. Roll flush. Seven. Controlled failure or conditional success? Conditional success. So you kick him in the balls, and he's very upset. Uh, And he he does let you go for for, for the time being. What do you do? I try to grab the bird. He's really holding it tightly in his fist, and he... he, he... I knee him in the nose. (laughs) Roll flush. He's got violent. Eight. Again, controlled failure, conditional success. Conditional success. You knee him in the nose. He starts bleeding. (laughs) He starts bleeding, but also he tackles you in the process. And so he drags you downstairs, down through the antique shop, and down into the basement. Where's Mona in all of this? Reading a magazine? (laughs) She's not paying attention. Uh, I mean, you also didn't, like, call out for her or anything. But what if I did? Uh, You can do it now, but you're already in the basement, so... But maybe she can hear me. Okay. Uh, I have a really loud voice. Uh, roll tongue. Five. She doesn't hear you. Fuck. <laughs> he says, where did you get this? Why, I found it. Found I it f- where? Outside. Outside where? Oh, fuck. I need to think. Outside of this house. <laughs> He's getting pretty impatient. He's like, okay, what? whatever, fine. It doesn't matter. You didn't touch this, did you? I mean, you didn't mess with it. I did touch it. <laughs> he does realize that was a stupid question. Look, Mike, you're losing track of the what I'm asking you to do here. I need you to look into the eyes. He says, you think I don't look into this thing's eyes? Yeah, there's cool. You can see something cool. You think I don't know what this bird is? Yes. I know what this bird can do, and I'm going to show you. And he flicks on the lights in the basement, and you look, and underneath the stairs is an, an old clock. Oh, no. It looks like a grandfather clock. He's still holding on to you. And he hits a compartment, hits a switch somewhere, and this board pops out. And you can see that there's a, like, little place where something has been removed. And he says, this bird goes there. And if you don't start talking, I'm going to get rid of you. Just like, well, I've done it before. You have? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? No, but I think I might have some blackmail on you. (laughs) Well, actually, you won't, because it's going to be like you never existed. Mike, are you sure you just don't want a steak or something? <laughs> like a... I've already eaten dinner. It, it can never hurt to really, you know, try to build up this muscle. <laughs> I think you might be having some blood sugar or something. I don't know. You're acting You're acting crazy. He says, no, my mom taught me all about healthy eating. <laughs> so what do you want from me exactly, guy? Says, I think I want you to disappear. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think oh, you're no. mostly just our problem. Well, I think that you're a problem. <laughs> and I put the bird... Wait, I don't have it. I want the bird. <laughs> While he's talking, I notice, because I remember from the Goose Gump book, the Clue uh-huh. Cock of Doom, where... <laughs> the X-rated Goose, Goose Gump book. <laughs> where Tyke and Mara um, are the main characters. I, but you see how I figured out who Tara ah. is anyway. I notice the numbers on the side, and I'm like, how old is Mike at this point? Like 40? Uh, he was 12 in 1995. Okay. So math. I have a feeling that I'm going to live longer than him. <laughs> so I just kind of sidle over to the clock and I slide it forward to, it's 2021 right now. Mm-hmm. Let's say 2061. I think it only went to 2000, but maybe if you push it past the 2000, it's like it reset. I actually don't remember how far oh, it that's goes, that dial. that's an awfully big risk. Well, maybe it's the kind of thing where, like, you, you sort of get the sense that you're moving forward or whatever. Yeah. Let's see. Roll guts. You have a plus, you have a one there, so roll three and take stop two. Pretty ballsy move. Six. Yeah, you, you start spinning it, but you don't know if it's doing anything. It's very possible that it is doing something, but it's probably not the thing you wanted. Shit. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really know how this thing worked. <laughs> Mike says, oh, you like to mess around with time, do you? 
Not really. <laughs> no. I just want my bird back, and I want you to look into its eyes. <laughs> and Mike says, I'll give you your bird back. Okay. <laughs> he, he puts it on the little plank, and he shoves it back into the house. And then I shove my fist into his face. <laughs> Roll flush. Seven. Seven. Controlled failure, conditional success. Conditional success! <laughs> uh, you punch him. No, wait. Controlled failure. Okay. So I punch him. It just hurts my hand. <laughs> but he does... Wait. I'm trying to make it a success. I think you I'm You are cheating. trying to make it a okay, success. Okay. Why don't you just do it? Okay. So you do punch him, but he, at the same time, sort of pushes you into the clock. And he says, good luck. Thank you. <laughs> roll roll a game ending uh, roll. So you're going to roll two here. Oh, no. I've had really bad luck. How many do I have to roll to not game end? Um, so you have to roll above a four. Okay. So it's whatever this is plus two or minus two. It is an eight minus two is six. That was close. It was. I hate Mike, that motherfucker. <laughs> but I see where I got my lack of moral compass. I realize right? we're not related, but, you know, nature, nurture. Yeah, there you go. Mona was attracted to someone without a moral compass. Things start to go a little blurry. Oh, no. Your head really hurts. You are not really sure what is going on. Just Can I grab for his shirt and pull him in with me? Roll flush. <gasps> Twelve. Twelve. You grab for his shirt and pull him in. So what do you want to happen? I want us to both fall into the void of the clock. You fall into the void of the clock. It's all blue everywhere. It is. But only for a few moments. It goes... Uh-huh. You and he both wake up. You look around. You're still in the basement. All right. Still in an antique shop. But things are different. You can't quite put your finger on it yet. But something is different. Yeah. And Mike is just swearing his head off. Like, <laughs> God damn it, what did you do? And... He looks to, to sort of fuddle, fuddle, fumble with the clock, but it's not there anymore. Oh, no. We're fucked. He, he grabs you and he shakes you by the shoulders. Quick, what year? What year is it? What year is it? I don't know. What year did you put on the clock? Oh. <laughs> uh, was it 2081? 2061? Yeah. But it didn't go forward in time. It sent you back. You were in 1961. Oh. Groovy. What are you... <laughs> <laughs> You are in 1961. Should I stop JFK from getting assassinated? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to do, honestly. That's what the Keevan Sting book I was reading suggested I should do. <laughs> what do you do? I'm like, okay, Mike, I think we should just figure out how to get along because we've got a long few decades ahead of us. Also, do we both not exist? I must not exist. He must not exist. This makes no sense. <laughs> like every time travel plot. Well, this is what happened is you you seem to be have thrown yourselves back in time uh, to a time when you don't exist. This maybe explains how Tara still exists because maybe she just went back to a time where she didn't exist. Yeah, she's outside of time. She didn't get to go back anywhere. She just, uh, it never happened that she existed, but she already existed. So it's like this sort of paradox that, that she's trapped in. Whereas you're doing a bit more of a time travel. Well, maybe I can go find the clockmaker and stick a 1980-whatever year she was born on the clock. I don't know if the clockmaker exists yet. Well, it seems like you and Mike are stuck in 1961 until you can figure out how to get yourselves back. Yeah. The funny thing is, L. It's like fine with the 60s. I was like, I can go to the premieres of every 70s horror movie. <laughs> I can, like I said, maybe at least go and be part of the JFK assassination in some way. <laughs> I could get a good union job and, you know, buy property. Well, so Elle has decided to live the life of a boomer. So it has actually worked out quite nicely for them. Mike is, you know, just in a puddle crying in the corner. But Elle just marches up the stairs, marches out of ye old antique shoppy and... And gets a job that can support a family of four with my middle school education. Yeah. Congratulations. You did. You <laughs> basically won the game. Nice. Well done. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to get out of the consequences of living in the 2000s. There you go. You you and Mike turn out to be quite alike. Yeah, that is the downside. <laughs> I try not to confront that. I spend the rest of my life trying not to think about that. Uh, another way in which you are like him. <laughs>
All right. And well, maybe I get with Mona later and really fuck things up. Oh, man. Yeah, that'll be weird. <laughs> well, so many adventures ahead for El Haddonfield. <laughs> thanks for thanks for indulging me in this, Andy. And Thank also you Goosebumps. for that <laughs> wonderful journey you went on and for not using my grave tokens against me. Yeah, it didn't really work out for, for that, did it? No, I was too good. Yeah, that's right. You're too good. Goosepunks, if you think we should have done things differently or have ideas about this alternate universe we've made up for Tara, which I now think is canon, I really like the idea that she gets to live, just not in time. Mm -hmm. Let us know your yeah. theories. Send us an email at saypodanddie at gmail.com. And help us in my personal project of rehabilitating Tara's reputation among Goosebumps fans. That's right. Yeah, you can do that via Instagram and Twitter, at saypodanddie. And you can also rate, review, and subscribe, help other people find the show, leave us a review, all that sort of thing, and have a happy Halloween. That's right. You can have a fucking happy Halloween, send us Send us pictures, especially if you, like Alyssa, are dressed up as R.L. Stein, <laughs> Or if you are R.L. Stein and dressed up as R.L. Stein, <laughs> The greatest costume of all. <laughs> Listener beware. Those, Those with, with the, the scares. scares. Good boo. Good boo.